This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Kia ora. Thanks for tuning in to the most down-to-earth kids radio show in New Zealand, The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B. We'll have songs, stories, fun facts, giveaways, and what's that noise? Plus, Susie Cato joins us with Susie and Friends. The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B, on Fresh FM. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Catalina, why you do me like that? One of these days, you're gonna miss me. You search around, but you won't sniff me. And all my black clothes will still be black. And you'll be crying at my door because you want me to come back. I said, Sophia, Catalina, Sophia,
here's an old song that I used to listen to when I watched Sylvester the Cat. It's called I Thought I Tore a Putty Tat. I am a little tiny bird, my name is Tweety Pie. I live inside my bird cage, a hanging way up high. I like to swing upon my perch and sing my little song. But there's a cat that's after me and won't let me alone. I tore, I tore a putty tap, a tweepin' upon me. I did, I tore a putty tap as plain as he could be. I am that great big battle cat, Sylvester is my name. I only have one aim in life and that is very plain. I want to catch that little bird and eat him right away. But just as I get close to him, this is what he'll say. I taught, I taught a putty cat creeping upon me. You bet he saw a putty cat. That putty cat is me. for me aren't good. I am inclined to think that he would eat me if he could. I'd like to eat that sweetie pie when he leaves his cage. If I could just get near But every time that I approach This is all I hear I tore, I tore a putty cat A tweeping upon me I did, I tore a putty cat As plain as he could be And when I sing that little song My mistress knows he's back She grabs her broom and brings it down Upon Sylvester's back So listen, you bad putty cat Let's both be friends, you see my mistress will not chase you if you sing this song with me. Come on now, like a good cat. Oh, all right. Suffer and suck a tag. I taught, I taught a pretty cat a creeping upon me. I did, I taught a pretty cat as plain as he could be. a cool song. It's more like a story, really. It's called You Can't Always Get What You Want. And it is true. You can't. It's by Randy Kaplan. Enjoy. I remember this one time when I was like five years old. My mom took me to a park to play. And I played on just about everything in that playground. I played on the swings and the seesaw and the tire and the sandbox. I climbed across the monkey bars and I went down the fire pole and climbed up the ladder and went down the slide a bunch of times. And after a while, my mom said, okay, Randy, we've been here long enough. I think it's time we head home now. And I said, 
I don't want to go home. I only want to stay here and play in this playground all day. And my mom said, five more minutes. I said, five more minutes? That's not very much time at all. I better hurry up. I better put a move on. I better get it in gear. And so I climbed up the ladder and I went down the fire pole and I climbed up the ladder again and I went down the slide and I climbed across the monkey bars in the jungle gym and I got down and I went on the swing and I went on the seesaw again and then I went in that tire attached by three chains to a metal bar and I was spinning around and around so many times that when I got off I was really dizzy. I didn't know where I was and I tripped and I fell and I fell right into the sandbox and my head went right into the sand. And some dirt went into my eyes, and some pebbles went into my nose, and some leaves went into my mouth, and a little tiny bug crawled into my ear. And I stood up, and I was a little disoriented, and I wandered under the fountain. And all the dirt turned to mud, and it was dripping down my face, and down my clothes. And my mom said, look at you, you're a mess. We gotta go home right now, you gotta take a bath. And I said... I want to go home and take a bath. I only want to stay and play in this playground all day. And my mom said, you can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes Well, you might find You get what you need And what you need, young man, is a bath I mean, look at you So we went home and, you know, I took a bath And my mom helped me to wash the dirt and the mud And the leaves and the pebbles And the sand out of my eyes and my nose and my mouth And she even helped me get the little bug out of my ear And when I was all clean and the water went down the drain She held out a big warm towel and she said Okay, Randy, it's time now to dry off and put on pajamas And I said I don't want to dry off and put on pajamas I only want to stay naked and wet And I ran out of the bathroom and I ran across the kitchen And I ran across the living room and I jumped onto the couch And my mom said, what are you doing? You're getting everything all wet And I said, I don't care. I just want to sit here on the couch and naked and wet and watch TV. Now turn it on. And my mother said, you can't always get what you want. And I had to dry off and put on pajamas. You can't always get what you want. And I had to clean up all the bath water from the floor. You can't always get what you want and I wasn't allowed to watch TV for a whole day but if you try sometimes well you just might find you get what you need and what you need young man my mom said is a nice healthful dinner and luckily I prepared just that you see we had a lot of guests coming over that day for dinner my grandma my grandpa my aunt and my uncle my mom and dad were there my little sister of course and Also, all of our pets. And my mom had made this, like, steamed vegetable, uh, sautéed vegetables or something with, like, rice and quinoa and broccoli and spinach. There was also a giant salad, I remember, with, like, dark lettuce and kale and garbanzo beans and artichoke hearts and hearts of palms. 
and some uh, cucumbers and carrots and corn too. And everyone said, "Oh, uh, this looks kind of healthy." And we all sat down. And when my mom said, "Bon appetit," and we all had,、uh, you know, glasses of nice, tall, room temperature water to drink. And we were all about to take our first bite. And I said, "I don't want this food. I only want ice cream for dinner." And my mom said, "Ice cream for dinner? You can't get ice cream for dinner. You'll get a bellyache." You've eaten nothing but sweets all day. You gotta have dark leafy greens and whole grains so that you grow up to be big and strong. You can't just have ice cream for dinner. Come on, get with it. And I said, I don't care about growing up to be big and strong, and I am with it. And I only want ice cream, and I want it now. And my mom said, You can't always get what you want. And my dad said, "You can't always get what you want." And my grandma said, "You can't always get what you want." And my grandpa said, "You can't always get what you want, Randall." And my aunt said, "You can't always get what you want." And my uncle, well, he was kind of like. Dozing off a little, but my aunt elbowed him in the ribs, and he kind of woke up just a little bit, and he looked at me and he said,、uh, "You can't always get what you want." And then my little sister, she she couldn't talk at all. She was just a little baby in the high chair with a bib on, but she tried to talk. That's right. She said, But you know who could talk was our dog, and my dog came wandering into the room, wagging his tail, his tongue sticking out. He looked right at me and he said, "Well, to add insult to injury, his friend the kitty cat came in. He must have taught her how to talk too. I didn't even know she could talk, and she uh kind of slinked into the kitchen and." Rubbed herself against the leg of my chair, and I reached down to pet her. I thought she was gonna purr, but she said, "You can't always get what you want." Then, not far behind her was our duck. That's right, he came waddling in from the living room. Duck looked right at me. He said, "Then the snake came slithering in behind the duck." The snake must have gotten out of the tank somehow and slid up the table leg, stuck out his tongue at me, and said, "Well, then the back door flew open. Who came in? That's right, the horse came right out of the stable in the back, walked into the kitchen, high, reared up on his hind legs, and whinnied a little. He got down. Everyone was just staring at him, and then he said to me." You can't always get what you want. Well, now that the back door was open, the cow took this as an opportunity, and he came into the kitchen. The cow didn't. She didn't spend much time in the kitchen, but she moseyed on in there. She looked at me very lazily, and she said, "Run always, run, won't you run?" Well then. We noticed the goldfish on the counter was trying to say something, like pressing his face up against the glass, looking at us. And we saw his lips move, but we didn't hear him. But some bubbles came out of his mouth. And when the bubbles floated up to the surface and popped, 
Well then we heard what he was trying to say And when the bubbles popped we heard the fish say And then everyone all together said You can't always get what you want Come on, sing it with me You can't always get what you want Adapt this as your first mantra You can't always get what you want Repeat it to yourselves often You can't always get what you want That's right, use it preemptively You can't always get what you want But if you try sometimes Well, you might find You get what you need You guys Hi, you've joined Kath B on the Kids Mix. This next story is one of my favourites, and it's called Henry Isaiah by Jane Hissey, and it's about a beer. Here's another story written by Jane Hissey from my book, The Old Beer Tales. This one's called Henry Isaiah. Henry Isaiah was a beer. He was called Henry Isaiah because one eye was higher than the other one. He'd been called Henry Isaiah for as long as he could remember, and for as long as he could remember, he wished he was called something else. Do you ever think I had another name? he asked his friend Rags one day. Well, I suppose if your eyes were straight when you were new, Isaiah would have been a silly name, said Rags. Perhaps you were called something else then. I wish I had a nice short name like yours, said Henry Isaiah. You wouldn't want to be called Rags, would you, said Rags. I think it means I look like a rag bag with bits of material mending my paws. I was a smart new bear once, but I've been hugged until I'm threadbare. I can't always have been called Rags, but nobody remembers the name I had when I was new. If you want to find someone who will remember your old name, you'd better ask Furless Fred. He's even older than me, and he remembers us all when we were new. Henry Isaiah found Furless Fred sitting in the garden amongst the flowers. Furless, said Henry Isaiah, was I always called Henry Isaiah? Mm, I think so, said Furless. Your eyes were like that when you were new, one up and one down. But it's such a silly name, said Henry Isaiah. Not as silly as Furless Fred, said Furless Fred. I was just called Fred once, but I've been left in the garden so many times now, all my fur is worn off, and everyone calls me Furless. Well, if I never had a better name, said Henry Isaiah, then I'll invent one. I shall call myself something smart and distinguished. I'll call myself James. That's all right, said Furless Fred. You can call yourself anything you like as long as everyone knows your new name. How can I tell everyone my new name? asked Henry Isaiah, who was now called James. Well, we could have a new name party for you and tell all the other toys at the party. That's a very good idea, said Rags. I shall send out the invitations at once. If I find Dog, he'll be the postman and take the invitations to everyone. James Bear, who used to be called Henry Isaiah, went back happily to wait for his party invitation. He snuggled down under a blanket and dreamed of party hats and jellies and everyone calling him James. 
It would be the best party ever. Rags and Furless Fred carefully wrote out the invitations to everybody. They remembered to put James and not Henry Isaiah on Henry Isaiah's invitation and they gave them all to Dog to deliver. The next day, everyone started arriving for the party. Nobody knew why they were having the party and someone had brought presents in case it was anyone's birthday. It's a surprise party, said Rags. Somebody wants to tell you something and he's going to tell you at the party. Ooh, said the toys, it sounds exciting. Rabbit started to organise some games and soon everyone was having a lovely time. Rags and Furless Fred waited for James, who had been Henry Isaiah, to arrive, but he didn't. Soon everyone was hungry. Well, you'd better start on the food, said Rags, peering out of the door and to try to catch a sight of the missing guest. Where could he be? They'd sent him an invitation with the time and the place of the party. When everyone had finished their party food and began to go home, Rags called Dog over. Dog, he said, did you deliver all the invitations? Of course I did, said Dog, all except one. Which one, said Furless Fred and Rags at the same time. This one, said Dog, producing a crumpled piece of paper he was carrying. It's addressed to someone called James. I asked everyone, but nobody knew who that was. Oh no, cried Rags. We forgot to tell Dog, and now James, who was Henry Isaiah, has missed his own naming party. Rushing out of the room, they bumped straight into James. He was standing miserably, watching everyone going home from the party carrying balloons and pieces of cake. Was that my party? he asked sadly. Oh, James, said Rags, I'm so sorry. And he explained how Dog did not know where to take the invitation. Did I miss all the games, said James. I'm afraid so, said Rags. And the food, asked James. And the food, said Furless Fred. All because I changed my name, asked the very miserable bear. I'm afraid so, said the others. Perhaps changing one's name is a bit risky, said James, who was Henry Isaiah. I wouldn't want to miss any more parties. Do you think perhaps I ought to change my name back to Henry Isaiah? Perhaps that would be best, said Rags. It's a very nice name, you know, and a very memorable name. Yes, perhaps it's not so bad, said Henry Isaiah, who had briefly been James. Did you save me a balloon? Of course we did, said Furless Fred and Rags. Shall we write your name on it? And they did. And Henry Isaiah proudly walked home with a big red balloon with Henry Isaiah written on it. Henry Isaiah is the right sort of name to have on a balloon, he thought to himself. It's nice and long and goes all the way around to the other side. It's twice as long as James. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to change your name? I think I did when I was younger. But I'm used to my name now, and it would be funny to be called anything else but Kath B these days. I thought it was time to write a song about bees. So I sat outside one day, and I watched them, and I thought about them, and I did some research on the internet about them. And I've written a song called Busy, Busy, Buzzy Bee. If you like, you can pretend to be a bee. <laughs> and you can buzz around while I sing this. Busy, 
Next up is a Sesame Street song. It's called Elmo Doesn't Give Up. When you're young, like you are, there's so much you want to do. But some things seem impossible, like they'll never work for you. But you gotta keep trying, and I hope you won't forget. Instead of thinking that you can't do it, think, I just can't do it yet. Something Elmo can't do, it won't always be that way. That's right. <laughs> Some problems can be broken down into small things you can do, <laughs> while others are more challenging and are really hard for you. But practice makes things easier, so I hope you won't forget. It's not that you can't do it, it's you just can't do it yet. <laughs> that small word yet. It can help you every day to remember just how far you come and where you'll be someday. You understand? Well, Elmo thinks so. There used to be a lot of things that Elmo couldn't do. Uh huh. But after <laughs> lots of practice, they come naturally to you. Right. So when Elmo finds things hard to do, he shouldn't get upset. Because someday Elmo will get it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you can't quite yet <laughs> That small word yet It can help you every day To remember just how far you come That great word yet It reminds you what will be Cause you'll keep trying and soon it's true There'll be so much more that you can do You'll get it yet And if not now then eventually Get it yet? Yeah! <laughs> oh, look, 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 Daddy! Oh. Elmo buttoned the top button! <laughs> well, 
I knew you'd get it yet. <laughs> oh, good boy, good boy. It's Kath B on the Kids Mix. Here's an old story from when I was young called The Tinderbox. The Tinderbox. Hello, this is Natasha, and I'm dropping by to tell you a really exciting story about a brave soldier and a magic tinderbox. Now, Bertie tells me that a tinderbox is a small metal box that contains a stone called a flint. It can make sparks, and in old times you might use it to light a fire. Nowadays, if you say that something is a real tinderbox, you might mean it could explode or that something really dangerous might happen at any time. But this story is about a tinderbox that looked very ordinary on the outside but was very extraordinary on the inside. It was written by Hans Christian Andersen. A soldier came marching along the high road. Left, right, left, right. He had his knapsack on his back and a sword by his side, for he'd been to the walls and was now returning home. An old witch met him on the road. She was very ugly to look at. Her bottom lip hung down to her breast. Good evening, soldier, she said. What a fine sword and knapsack you have. You are the very picture of a fine soldier. You ought to have as much money as you can carry. Thank you, old witch, said the soldier. Do you see that great tree there? said the witch, pointing to a tree beside them. It is hollow within. You must climb up to the top, and then you will see a hole through which you can let yourself down into the tree. I will tie a rope round your waist so that I may be able to pull you up again when you call. What shall I do down there? asked the soldier. Get money! answered the witch. Listen, when you reach the bottom of the tree, you will find yourself in a large hall. It is light there, for there are more than three hundred lamps burning. Then you will see three doors, which you can open. The keys are in the locks. If you go into the first room, you will see a great chest in the middle of the floor with a dog sitting upon it. He has eyes as large as saucers, but you needn't trouble him about it. I will give you my blue check apron, which you must spread out on the floor, and then go back quickly and fetch the dog and set him upon it. Open the chest and take as much money as you like. It is copper there. If you would rather have silver, you must go into the next room, where there is a dog with eyes as large as mill wheels. But don't take any notice of him. Just set him upon my apron and help yourself to the money. If you prefer gold, you can get that too. If you go into the third room, and as much as you can carry. But the dog that guards the chest there has eyes as large as the round tower at Copenhagen. 
He is a savage dog, I can tell you. But you needn't be afraid of him either. Only put him on my apron and he won't touch you. And you can take out of the chest as much gold as you like. Come, this is not bad, said the soldier. But what am I to give you, old witch? For surely you are not going to do this for nothing. Yes, I am, replied the witch. Not a single farthing will I take. For me, you shall bring nothing but an old tinder box, which my grandmother forgot last time she was down there. Well, tie the rope around my waist, said the soldier. Here it is, said the witch, and here is my blue check apron. Then the soldier climbed up the tree, let himself down through the hole, and found himself standing, as the witch had said, underground in the large hall where the three hundred lamps were burning. Well, he opened the first door. Ugh! There sat the dog with eyes as big as saucers glaring at him. You are a fine fellow, said the soldier, and put him on the witch's apron, took as much copper as his pockets could hold. Then he shut the chest, put the dog on it again, and went into the second room. Sure enough, there sat the dog with eyes as large as mill wheels. You had better not look at me so hard, said the soldier. Your eyes will come out of their sockets. And then he set the dog on the apron. When he saw all the silver in the chest, he threw away the copper he had taken and filled his pockets and knapsack with nothing but silver. Then he went into the third room. Horrors! The dog there had two eyes, each as large as the round tower at Copenhagen, spinning round in his head like wheels. Good evening, said the soldier, and saluted, for he had never seen a dog like this before. But when he examined him more closely, he thought to himself, Now then, I've had enough of this, and put him down on the floor and opened the chest. Heavens, what a heap of gold there was! With all that, he could buy up the whole town, and all the sugar pigs and the tin soldiers, whips and rocking horses in the whole world. Now, he threw away all the silver which he had in his pockets and knapsack and filled them with gold instead. Yes, all his pockets, his knapsack, cap and boots even, so that he could hardly walk. Now he was rich indeed. He put the dog back on the chest, shut the door and then called up through the tree. Now pull me up again, old witch! Have you got the tinder box also? asked the witch. Botheration, said the soldier. 
I had clean forgotten it. And then he went back and fetched it. The witch pulled him up, and there he stood again on the high road, with pockets, knapsack, cap and boots filled with gold. What do you want to do with a tinderbox? asked the soldier. That doesn't matter to you, replied the witch. You have got your money. Give me my tinderbox. We'll see, said the soldier. Tell me at once what you want to do with it, or I will draw my sword and cut off your head. No, screamed the witch. But the soldier, without hesitation, immediately cut off her head. That was the end of her. He tied up all his gold in her apron, slung it like a bundle over his shoulder, put the tinderbox in his pocket, and set out towards the town. It was a splendid town. He turned into the finest inn. Ordered the best chamber and his favourite dinner, for now that he had so much money, he was really rich. It certainly occurred to the servant who had to clean his boots that they were astonishingly old boots for such a rich lord, but that was because he had not yet bought new ones. The next day he appeared in respectable boots and fine clothes. Now, instead of a common soldier, he had become a noble lord, and the people told him all about the grand doings of the town and the king, and what a beautiful princess his daughter was. How can one get to see her? Asked the soldier. She is never to be seen at all. They told him, she lives in a great copper castle. Surrounded by many walls and towers, no one except the king may go in or out, for it is prophesied that she will marry a common soldier, and the king cannot submit to that. I should very much like to see her," thought the soldier, but he could not get permission. Now he lived very gaily, went to the theatre. Drove in the king's garden, and gave the poor a great deal of money, which was very nice of him. He had experienced in former times how hard it is not to have a farthing in the world. Now he was rich, wore fine clothes, and made many friends, who all said that he was an excellent man, a real nobleman, and the soldier liked that. But as he was always spending money and never made any more, at last the day came when he had nothing left but two shillings, and he had to leave the beautiful rooms in which he had been living, and go into a little attic under the roof, and clean his own boots, and mend them with a darning needle. None of his friends came to visit him there. For there were too many stairs to climb. It was a dark evening, and he could not even buy a light. But all at once, it flashed across him that there was a little end of tinder in the tinder box which he had taken from the hollow tree into which the witch had helped him down. 
he found the box with a tinder in it. But just as he was kindling a light, and had struck a spark out of the tinder box, the door burst open, and the dog, with eyes as large as saucers, which he had seen down in the tree, stood before him and said, "What does my lord command?" "What's the meaning of this?" exclaimed the soldier. This is a pretty kind of tinder box. If I can get whatever I want like this, get me money! He cried to the dog, and hey presto! He was off and back again, holding a great purse full of money in his mouth. Now the soldier knew what a wonderful tinder box this was. If he rubbed once, the dog that sat on the chest of copper appeared. If he rubbed twice, there came the dog that watched over the silver chest, and if he rubbed three times, the one that guarded the gold appeared. Now, the soldier went down again into his beautiful rooms and appeared once more in splendid clothes. All his friends immediately recognized him again and paid him great court. One day he thought to himself, "It is very strange that no one can get to see the princess. They all say she is very pretty, but what's the use of that if she has to sit for ever in a great copper castle with all the towers? Can I not manage to see her somehow? Where is my tinder box?" And so he struck a spark, and presto. There came the dog with eyes as large as saucers. It is the middle of the night, I know," said the soldier. "But I should very much like to see the princess for a moment." The dog was already outside the door, and before the soldier could look round, in he came with the princess. She was lying asleep on the dog's back, and was so beautiful. That anyone could see, she was a real princess. The soldier really could not refrain from kissing her; he was such a thorough soldier. Then the dog ran back with the princess. But when it was morning, and the king and queen were drinking tea, the princess said that the night before she had had such a strange dream about a dog and a soldier. She had ridden on the dog's back, and the soldier had kissed her. That is certainly a fine story," said the queen. But the next night, one of the ladies in waiting was to watch at the princess's bed, to see if it was only a dream, or if it had actually happened. The soldier had an overpowering longing to see the princess again. And so the dog came in the middle of the night and fetched her, running as fast as he could. But the lady in waiting slipped on soft rubber shoes and followed them. When she saw them disappear into a large house, she thought to herself, "Now I know where it is," and made a great cross on the door with a piece of chalk. Then she went home and lay down. And the dog came back also with the princess. But when he saw that a cross had been made on the door of the house where the soldier lived, 
He took a piece of chalk also and made crosses on all the doors in the town. And that was very clever. For now the lady-in-waiting could not find the right house as there were crosses on all the doors. Early next morning the king, queen, ladies-in-waiting and officers came out to see where the princess had been. There it is, said the king when he saw the first door with a cross on it. No, there it is, my dear, said the queen when she likewise saw a door with a cross. But here is one, and there is another, they all exclaimed. Wherever they looked, there was a cross on the door. Then they realised that the sign would not help them at all. But the Queen, who was an extremely clever woman, who could do a great deal more than just drive in a coach, she took her great golden scissors, cut up a piece of silk and made a pretty little bag of it. This she filled with grains of porridge oats and tied it round the princess's neck. This done, she cut a little hole in the bag so that the grains would strew the whole road wherever the princess went. In the night, the dog came back again, took the princess on his back and ran away with her to the soldier, who was very much in love with her and would have liked to have been a prince so that he might have had her for his wife. The dog did not notice how the grains were strewn right from the castle to the soldier's window where he ran up the wall with the princess. In the morning, the king and queen saw plainly where their daughter had been and they took the soldier and put him in prison. There he sat. Oh, how dark and dull it was there. And they told him, Tomorrow you are to be hanged. Hearing that did not exactly cheer him, and he had left his tinder box in the inn. Next morning he could see through the iron grating in front of his little window how the people were hurrying out of the town to see him hanged. He heard the drums and saw the soldiers marching. All the people were running to and fro. Just below his window was a shoemaker's apprentice with leather apron and shoes. He was skipping along so merrily that one of his shoes flew off and fell against the wall, just where the soldier was sitting, peeping through the iron grating. Oh, shoemaker's boy, you needn't be in such a hurry, said the soldier to him. There's nothing going on till I arrive. But if you will run back to the house where I lived and fetch me my tinder box, I will give you four shillings. But you must put your best foot forward. The shoemaker's boy was very willing to earn four shillings and fetched the tinder box, gave it to the soldier. And yes, yes, now you shall hear. Outside the town, a great scaffold had been erected, and all round were standing the soldiers and hundreds of thousands of people. The king and queen were sitting on a magnificent throne opposite the judges and the whole council. The soldier 
was already standing on top of the ladder, but when they wanted to put the rope round his neck, he said that the fulfilment of one innocent request was always granted to a poor criminal before he underwent his punishment. He would so much like to smoke a small pipe of tobacco. It would be his last pipe in this world. The king could not refuse him this, and so he took out his tinder box, and rubbed it once, twice, three times, and lo and behold, there stood all three dogs: the one with eyes as large as saucers, the second with eyes as large as mill wheels, and the third with eyes each as large as the round tower of Copenhagen. Help me now, so that I may not be hanged," cried the soldier. And thereupon, the dogs fell upon the judges and the whole council, seized some by the legs, others by the nose, and threw them so high into the air that they fell and were smashed into pieces. I won't stand this," said the king. But the largest dog seized him too, and the queen as well, and threw them up after the others. This frightened the soldiers, and all the people cried, "Good soldier, you shall be our king, and marry the beautiful princess." Then they put the soldier into the king's coach, and the three dogs danced in front, crying, "Hurrah!" And the boys whistled, and the soldiers presented arms. The princess came out of the copper castle and became queen, and that pleased her very much. The wedding festivities lasted for eight days, and the dogs sat at table and made eyes at everyone. And that was the story, Nori, of the tinderbox. By Hans Christian Andersen. I'm not entirely sure if the soldier in that story was good or bad. What do you think? And don't forget, there are loads more stories at StoryNori.com. So drop by. Until next time, from me, Natasha. Bye bye. Cackles in the park, eating the bread, feeding the baby. Poo cackles in the park. They look so cute. But here come the crazy geese and pigeons in the park, bobbing their heads and chasing Haley. Oh, what a day! All the bread has gone away. When it starts to rain, we'll go home. And remember, Pooh cackles in the park, eating the bread, feeding the baby. Pooh cackles in the park. They look so cute, but here come the crazy geese and pigeons in the park, bobbing their heads and chasing Haley. Oh, what a day! All the bread has gone away. When it starts to rain. We'll go home and remember the day.
one of the best things that you can do for your entire life is to be kind. And the next song by Music with Michael is called Kindness is Free. Be kind, everybody. Do you like taking a walk through the woods? Well, the Okie Dokie Brothers do. I'm wondering if you'd go wandering with me Through the wilderness and woods To where the winds are blowing free Through the darkness of the night Heading toward the morning light I wonder if you'd wander with me And I'll spread the word And you beat the drum We'll round up the troops And get the gang to come And we'll leave the streets And these neighborhoods Head over the river I go wandering with you What kind of trouble we'll get ourselves into Would it be wrong to tag along With a band of vagabonds You wonder if I'd wander with you So I'll spread the word And you beat the drum We'll round up the troops And get the gang to come neighborhoods head over the river I'm wondering if you'd come 
come wandering my way If you ever get lost or if the trail leads you astray The music of the pack can always bring you back I wonder, can we wander away? And I'll spread the word and you beat the drum Round up the troops and get the gang to come And we'll leave the streets in these neighborhoods Head over the river Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.